Hello, this is Louis Porras, and welcome to another edition of Kingsnake.com's web radio. Now, over the years, I've come to know all kinds of people who are interested in herbs. Uh, and in herpetoculture, people usually seem to specialize in, in one area or another. So today we're here to visit with somebody who is active in several areas in herpetoculture, uh, kind of a jack-of-all-trades uh, in the field. We're here to visit with Matt Russell. Matt has spent time working in zoos. He's worked off and on as a tour guide in the tropics, keeps and breeds a number of snakes, and, and he does a number of other things in herpetoculture that I'm sure that uh, he will be discussing with us here today. So uh, I guess that's about enough of an introduction. How's it going today, Matt? <laughs> Pretty good. Thanks for having me. And uh, a jack-of-all-trades, that's, that's great. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for the good introduction. It's uh, going well, and I appreciate uh, you having me here. You know, Matt, you're probably dreading this since we opened up uh, with this question in a number of our shows. Uh, so here, here's Uh-oh. a famous, you know, first opening question. How in the world did you ever get interested in herbs? I hope to offer you the, the not-so-famous answer because, you know, I... I often hear so many people, uh, which seems to be the logical way to get into uh, herpetoculture and herpetology, and that's at a very young age, stomping around in the backyard, picking up, you know, frogs and, and setting your mom by walking in the house with snakes and whatnot. And uh, uh, actually, it was it was rather different for me. I've, I've always been quite interested in animals in general growing up. However, my uh, true interest in Herps didn't come really till I was probably in my mid to late teens. As a matter of fact, I remember <laughs> distinctly an episode. We had a, a pond out in our backyard, and I was back there one day as a youngster, you know, probably nine or ten years old, I guess, and uh, uh, I found this, this large water snake basking on a rock, and uh, I just became incredibly excited, and it was just this wonderful discovery for me, and I went looked at it and contemplated and turned around and ran (laughs) to go get get my dad and and of course you know by the time we got back you know he was not there anymore but i just i've always had a fascination but i didn't take it all too seriously till my teen years i uh, began about when i was 15 or 16 uh, interning for the new england science center uh, which was about a a 10-minute drive from my, my home in central Massachusetts, and uh, I must say Massachusetts is not the, the best place to grow up and, and be with herbs. <laughs> As you can imagine, in the Northeast, there's much more diverse areas in the country. So anyhow, I, I interned there and uh, started working with just some real common species, and they became interested in, in a variety of things, and uh, actually there was an individual there, um, the curator, who let me handle my first uh, rattlesnake, just a, a great experience for me and worked with some Burmese pythons and corn snakes and indigo snakes and a variety of other things there and as well as some different mammals and birds and, and fish and so I, I started to take an interest uh, at that point and then I started to, to head to the literature um, like so many herpophiles do and you know I pulled a variety of books uh, from my, my high school library as much as I could find and, and I just had this craving and would read things like Schmidt and Inger and some of the you know the old good herp guides and uh, Carl Caulfield, you know, Snakes, the Keeper, and the Kept. I, I still have a copy of that, of course, laying around. And, uh, so became real interested. I, I interned for the Roger Williams Park Zoo as well for about six or seven months before I moved to Florida and uh, to go to the Santa Fe Teaching Zoo. And uh, I, I saw herpetoculture and, and herpetology really in my future at that point. I, uh, you know, at one point was still kind of undecided on whether or not I was going to go another route with mammals or birds, but moved down to Florida and I worked, uh, while going to school at Santa Fe, I worked for Eugene Bissett at Ophiological Services for, oh, I think a little over two years and got a lot of very good snake husbandry experience. As a matter of fact, that was by far the, some of the, the best initial husbandry experience that I was able to get working with just a, a wide variety of boa, you know, I, 
remember seeing my first Bowens python at Eugene's place, and uh, you know, again, it's something that I had only seen in, in books, and just just a lot of interesting things there. And I worked with you know some of my my first real challenging venomous species there, and so Gene was a, uh, a mentor to me. And uh, my parents wanted me to come back up in the north, but I decided that I couldn't uh, bear any more time living in Massachusetts, so I moved west uh, here to Texas. Uh-huh. And, uh, well. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where I am now, in a herp-rich state, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed it ever since. Well, I know that in Texas there you worked at, at the Dallas Zoo. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about the time when you worked at the zoo? And were, were you there at the zoo at the time when the legendary Jim Murphy was a creator at, at Dallas? Well, <laughs> unfortunately not. You know, it's, I, I still consider myself, you know, a, a newbie on the block, that's for sure. I'm, uh, I've got a, a lot to learn, and I look back and, and I hear a lot of stories of, of the old days, and I think of all the, the things that I missed. And uh, I mean, herpetology and, and, and herpetoculture are two wonderful and fascinating uh, disciplines that are, that are still evolving and are, are still very exciting. But at the same time, I think anybody in, in any generation will look back and on previous generations, uh, like the Murphy days at the Dallas Zoo, and say, gee, I wish I could have been a part of that. And, you know, I, there was a, a great team. And when I arrived at Dallas, I arrived, I think, just months after Murphy's departure. Oh. Uh, but it was a wonderful uh, experience for me. I uh, remember uh, while I was still in Florida seeing the job for the uh, keeper position that I held there at Dallas uh, for a few years posted and decided that I'd go for it. And uh, uh, one thing led to another, and, and I was Texas-bound. And uh, I, I enjoyed working in the zoo field. Yeah, but do you miss being there? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, there are parts of it that I miss. I, um, <laughs> as, as I'm sure everyone can imagine, it's, it's not the most lucrative of, of jobs, but uh, um, I'm able to support a, a, a herp habit now with, uh, with a different profession. But there are definitely aspects that I miss and don't miss, much like anybody else leaving a career path. But, you know, I'd say some of the things I, I miss are the diversity of animals. And uh, I'm very focused now on, on particular taxa. And, you know, in the zoo field, I'd, I'd walk in, and in a day I'd work, you know, with everything from king cobras to Komodo dragons. And, uh, you know, I'd, uh, just quite a, quite a variety there and quite a variety of experiences. And you're every day with a group of people that shares the, the very same interests that you do. And uh, conversation was always uh, interesting and colorful, and, but it was you know, it was a good experience, and there are definitely aspects of zoo herpetology that I miss. And, you know, I wish I could have been involved with it in the earlier years, but the time that I spent at the Dallas Zoo was uh, it was rewarding and uh, introduced me to my first experience in a very large and you know, quite, quite multifaceted, I guess, collection, and uh, just a, a wonderful variety of things there. So what did you do when you left the zoo, and, uh, and what are you doing today? Something off the beaten path, sort of. I, I left the zoo field and got into the uh, the veterinary field, so to say. I work as a production manager now for a company that produces staff training media for the veterinary field. We produce staff training for veterinary technicians and veterinary managers and uh, assistants and things like that. So I'm still still in touch with animals, and um, you know I, I enjoy... Now, I'm not working with, with herps uh, during the day, but it, it allows me to come home and, and realize just how enjoyable it is to do it on my own time now. Because um, uh, when I work for the zoo, and I think a lot of zookeepers, uh, and, you know, just people in general in the zoo field will tell you that after an eight-hour day, the last thing 
at least some people want to do is come come back and, and work with your own collection. So I, I really didn't keep a very big collection when I was working for the Dallas Zoo. It was uh, pretty limited. And, uh, and, and again, I didn't have the funds at the time to, to be able to keep a more extensive collection appropriately. And I've always got future goals, and I look at uh, what I want to do next with my collection, and I always want it to be as ideal as possible. And so at the time, I, I, well, while I was at the Dallas Zoo, I didn't, I didn't keep many live animals like I do now. Anyhow, off, off on a tangent there, I uh, work primarily with small animals during the day, uh, dogs and cats, and uh, we, are, we do a little bit with exotics, but it's a way, again, that I can can meet my other habit. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, Matt, uh, when I first met you, I, I think it was in, in Costa Rica yeah. uh, at the yeah. International Herpetological Symposium, and uh, I know that you frequently travel to Latin America. Uh, I know that you, you go to Peru often. Uh, are you primarily interested, like, in Latin American herbs, or...? I, yeah, I am. It's, it's interesting. I, I contradict myself probably more than I should. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to stay as focused as possible, but uh, there are just too many herbs out there. <laughs> There's just too many things to be interested in, and you know, I, I look at what's available out there, and I say, well, gee, that's that's not within my my scope, but I'm going to get it anyways. Um, no, I, I like. Uh, the neotropics, and it's it's been a passion of mine for the past six years. Uh, I was introduced to uh, the tropics when I was working for the Dallas Zoo, and uh, an opportunity presented to go down and uh, study, uh, be involved in an existing study on looking at enteric parasites and wild-caught reptiles. And uh, so we spent about three weeks at the La Selva Biological Station, um, Heredia, Costa Rica there, and I just remember the first time that I stepped into a, a rainforest and uh, watching strawberry dart frogs uh, jumping by my feet, and that night looking at my first lance head, and in the wild at least, and uh, catching my, my first tropical coral snake, and I was hooked. <laughs> really, and, uh, I went. I continued to, you know, I went back to Costa Rica a couple times, and then then I was um, I became friendly with somebody who's been a dear mentor and still is, uh, Bill Lamar, uh, who's, who's you know kind of um, years of, of experience in this field and somebody I have a lot of respect for, and uh, I, I began traveling to the Peruvian Amazon uh, with Bill and uh, with Green Tracks and uh, became. Real interested uh, in the herpetofauna there. You know, it's it's even more diverse than, than what can be found in Costa Rica. Just being three degrees south of the equator, there's there's quite quite a lot to be seen there. And I just I grew especially fond of that area, and I spent a number of weeks, uh, you know, traveling at least once or twice a year with with Bill. But I also went down there once uh, with the Dallas Zoo and spent some time while I was still working for Dallas uh, up on the Rio Arosa. We did a survey of um, uh, the herpetofauna of that area. And uh, so, yeah, I, I've definitely got a, a real passion for the neotropics and look forward to a lot of future travel to, to those areas. And uh, by the same time, I, I hope to, to get elsewhere as well and, uh, and go see the herbs uh, around the world. So. Hey, what are your favorite herbs down in Latin America? Uh, another, <laughs> another hard question to, to answer. I, I'm generally focused both in in the animals I work with in my live collection and, and with what I am interested in finding out in the field, uh, I'm generally focused on pit vipers. I've always been, been interested in, in crotalin snakes, and uh, I still yearn to find, you know, my first Bushmaster. I've, I've been to these areas a number of times, and the opportunities presented itself time after time after time. Uh, but, you know, I've come across a lot of neat pit vipers, like uh, the Brazil's Lancehead, Bothrops Brazilian, Striped Palm Pit Vipers, and uh, Dorissus, the you know, tropical rattlesnakes, and so that those are certainly my 
my big passion, and, uh, and I'm interested in pit vipers from other areas of the world's tropics, but uh, I'd say those are what I'm especially fond of, but at the same time, I try to be a generalist when I'm down there, because, you know, there are trips when those dream species just aren't there, and, uh, you know, you settle with the other, other somebody else's dream species, I guess. Right. All right, man, well, listen, uh, the time has come for us to take a short break here to uh, hear from one of our sponsors. Uh, you're listening to Kingsnake.com's web radio, and we'll be back in just a few moments. This episode of Kingsnake.com web radio is brought to you by OnlineHobbyist.com, the leader in online advertising solutions for the pet industry, and by Triple L Reptile and Supply. Triple L Reptile and Supply is dedicated to bringing you top quality service, great selection, and low prices. Stop by their website at LLLReptile.com. We're back. This is Louis Forrest, and today we're visiting with Matt Russell, zoo herper, well-rounded herpetoculturist, world traveler, and a whole lot more. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, listen, uh, I've traveled to the tropics continuously over the past 20 years or so, and uh, it seems that every time I come back, uh, I always have stories to tell. So I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? Uh, go ahead and tell us some, some kind of story that stands up in your mind, maybe some kind of experience or, or, or something neat that's happened to you in your travels. <laughs> I tell you right now, yours are probably funnier. You've, you've got a lot more experience in the tropics than I do, and uh, someday perhaps I'll be there, but oh my. Uh, I've, there's definitely a, a lot of stories, <laughs> some that I'm probably too embarrassed to tell. <laughs> I remember how naive I was in my, my first travels to the, the tropics, and uh, you know, I'd we come a little overexcited, and I'd pick something up and, and immediately spot off some sort of scientific name, and of course I'd get back to the boat and key it out, and it was, you know, totally the opposite, but uh, we won't mention that. Uh, <laughs> now, I have um, learned so much down there, and I've traveled with some wonderful people, and have had just so much fun with herpers and non-herpers alike, and so I, I think some of my funniest stories involve people. I, I remember I was on a a day excursion. We were hiking off the Rio Mamon, which is uh, a tributary that, that links uh, up to the, the Amazon eventually. And we were out hiking. We were all just totally dripping with sweat, and everybody was anxious to get back for a, a meal of uh, catfish and heart of palm and their wonderful native delights. And uh, we were just about to turn around. We had been smoked that hike. We hadn't seen a, uh, very much. We collected a couple poison frogs and saw a few uh, diurnal leaf litter dwelling lizards. And uh, we were all kind of around this one creek uh, right where that was going to be our turning point to go head back towards the boat. And uh, I was leaning down, getting a little bit of water, splashing it on my face, and just we're all refreshing. And there's one couple that uh, they were just so enthusiastic to be there, and everybody felt their enthusiasm. And the, the, the guy was a herper and having a great trip. We'd been out night hiking the previous night and found uh, all sorts of, of things, including uh, uh, Brazil's land set, as a matter of fact, which was the highlight of my trip that wow. week. And, uh, <laughs> and his, his wife was uh, was loved being there as well. She was a little apprehensive, actually, of, of herps, but, uh, you know, some herpers' wives are. And we just immediately just heard this scream out of nowhere and turned around. Uh, you know, we, of course, the immediate thing that flashed into my mind is, oh, my goodness, she stepped on a, yeah, <laughs> on a uh, you know, a lancet of some sort, or she, she stepped on a coral snake. And uh, I turn around, and I see this fountain of white shooting up around her leg. And she has stepped on this... Um, uh, false viper. There's you know two species of, uh, and pardon me if I get the, the common name wrong, but uh, two species of false vipers there. And this was Xenodon severus, and she'd stepped right smack dab in the middle of this snake, 
and the snake lifted its tail, much like many snakes will do defensively, especially when they're being restrained, and they'll release everything that's, uh, <laughs> uh, that's in there in the cloaca, and uh, it, it just all sprouted up, and uh, of course, we didn't care at all about her. We just went right for the snake and grabbed it and, and bagged it, and uh, uh, so it was a successful day hike after all, and uh, somebody had laundry to do when they got back to the boat, though. But, but uh, I'll tell you, if I put her on the spot, I've, I've got to mention at least the one night excursion. We were in our small aluminum boat, and I love presenting caiman to people to, to show them that have, have photographed. And there's about four species of different caiman in the area. We always have our eyes open for the real prize, the, the black caiman, uh, caiman niger. And we were out one night and spotlighting for a caiman and also spotlighting in the trees for, for Amazon tree boas, which are pretty common. And uh, we found, found one. Um, Paleosuchus. Uh, this was one species of caiman. We were approaching it and just kind of idle. Our boat was approaching and uh, I normally have pretty good coordination, Louis. I fell right off the boat going after this thing now, so I was totally submerged. And, uh, <laughs> fortunately, we knew ahead of time it was a relatively small caiman. You can you can normally judge, but I uh, got back in the boat rather quickly, though. It can be a little unnerving in the middle of the night being out when, um, you know, 14, 15 foot black caimans can yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got others, but I don't want to say, I, think, I think I won't incriminate myself any further. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, man, listen, um, I don't know if this is something that you planned on talking about, but, you know, I've seen your website, and it's, it's really a wonderful, wonderful website, and it's uh, dedicated to um, Amazonian herbs. Now, uh, I know that you don't have a, a commercial site, uh, so, of course, it's costing you money, so uh, tell us a little bit about it and tell us what in the world inspired you to put this together. Well, yeah, I, I wanted to put something together that represented my experiences in the area, and you're right, it's, it's totally uh, non-commercial, non-profit, and uh, I wanted to, to provide sort of a dual-purpose site that people could go to just to enjoy the variety of, of interesting images that I've uh, managed to, to garner over the past six years of travel to the area of uh, the Peruvian Amazon, and I've been just very interested in Bill Amar's gotten me increasingly interested in photography, and I've really honed my my photographic talent. So I had, you know, these slides just laying around everywhere doing nothing except appearing in a you know, handful of articles I've done for Reptiles Magazine and, and some other publications. And I wanted to, to put them somewhere for, for people to go and see. And I wanted there to be a reference, just a general reference to the herbs of the area, uh, where people could go and see what travel to the area was like. Get, get just a basic introduction. It's not a comprehensive site at all. Just a basic introduction to the, the herpetofauna of that area, and also uh, see see a few pictures of people enjoying themselves, and also get a mix of uh, some of the other fauna from from the area, some mammals and birds, and as well as links to, to other important neotropical herpetology and just general neotropical fauna sites. And so it's it's kind of a mix, but I just wanted to, to put it out there uh, for people to enjoy and to uh, better understand the. Uh, the reptiles and amphibians that occur there. Sure. And hey, what's the web address? Uh, it's uh, Amazon Herp, A-M-A-Z-O-N-H-E-R-P, uh, AmazonHerp.com. Uh, aside from Latin America, uh, do you have any plans to travel to any other parts of the world to look for herps? Yeah, I actually uh, <laughs> have interest in, in traveling to lots of different areas. It's just a matter of uh, time and, and funds, and I often will, will be sitting uh, here at home and just suddenly turn to my wife and say, I want to go here and I want to go there and do this and do that. And, uh, you know, she immediately brings me back into reality. <laughs> <laughs> Herpers can so often fall out of reality momentarily. And, 
And in all of my travels, much much like I think any herper can relate to this, my travels are, are always related to, to reptiles and amphibians. I'd much rather, uh, you know, go to the, the Usambara Mountains in, in Tanzania than, you know, than go to the uh, Sistine Chapel. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I have other interests, believe me. I'm, I'm not that narrow-minded. But um, so, I, I, yeah, I definitely would love to get to other areas of the world's tropics. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll be traveling to Thailand and Vietnam this August coming up. I'm very excited about that. It's just going to be a wonderful experience, I think, and uh, we've planned this trip uh, very carefully and are going to be visiting some wonderful habitat in northern Thailand in the Chiang Mai uh, region and uh, doing a, a three-day trek up there and spending some time uh, in national parks outside of Bangkok. And uh, we'll be spending a little over a week in the, the Cuc Phong uh, National Park in uh, Vietnam, uh, which is, again, just going to be a wonderfully remote area. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of expectations, but there's a lot of unexpectedness as well. And, um, and never, having never traveled to these areas, uh, uh, there are certain certainly things that I'm not going to be too sure of, of what to expect, and uh, that's that's one of the exciting things about traveling now, is the, those things that are uncertain, and pretty aware of the uh, the herpetofauna there, and I've, I've spent a lot of time hitting the literature and learning about the, the myriad of, of herps that are over there, and just, I'd be excited to, to just see a handful of them. <laughs> so, and, and I've got, a, you know, I'd love to travel uh, hopefully to, to Africa um, sometime within the next year or so. Would, would love to get to, to other areas of, of Latin America as well. I've, you know, I've I've traveled uh, pretty extensively in um, South and Central America. I'd love to get to other areas and, you know, experience more. So there's, there's always always more to see. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, what, what kind of herbs do you keep? Uh, I, I keep um, primarily pit vipers. I uh, am interested, again, primarily in tropical uh, pit vipers. I don't don't keep as, as many, you know, rattlesnake uh, or, you know, just as many temperate species. I, uh, I work with Bushmasters. That's a big project that I've got going on now. Uh, a variety of species of uh, Trimerosaurus. I work with uh, uh, some different uh, subspecies of cantiles. And I also work with, with other uh, old world vipers. I work different species of atheris, like Broadleaf's, uh, Broadleaf's viper. Uh, with Mount Kenya uh, Viper uh, to say I and uh, um, so just a, quite a collection primarily of neotropical pit vipers uh, but uh, with with some other sprinklings in between and and there are some uh, some colubrids that I'm working with right now um, and I've got different species of jumping vipers that I'm working with uh, numifer and uh, oxyduum and picatawai the latter two a bit more obscure in, in collections I'm hoping to uh, to breed those and also some, some different species of, uh, of Bothrops, of the lanceheads, including uh, uh, the Venezuelan lanceheads, Bothrops venezuelensis, which is a, a big target project for me as well right now. That's a species that's not really represented here in U.S. collections, and uh, I've got some, and the St. Louis Zoo has some that they obtained for me, and uh, uh, so we're, uh, we're both working on bringing those uh, to, to reproduction at some point. So what are you going to do from here on out? Uh, I mean... Where do you see yourself going in the future with this uh, kind of jack-of-all-trades interest in uh, not only herpetoculture but herpetology? Yeah, um, yeah, I've, I've kind of liked and just love actually being involved in, in both disciplines. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've just I've been so fortunate to, to have been taught and led and still collaborate with a number of, of herpetoculturists and herpetologists and just such privilege. And I just hope that that uh, will always continue. And, you know, I've, I've never 
woken up in the morning and been any less excited about reptiles and amphibians. Hey, so, man, that's uh, great. <laughs> just, you know, that that's the day when, when I'd probably reconsider things. And But uh, the future, I, I hope the sky's the limit. And, you know, I'd love to to help and, and be involved in other generations getting interested. I'd, I'd hate to think that this is a dwindling interest. I don't think it is, and um, I hope it, it continues. And uh, just as many kids get that twinkle in their eyes that uh, although came, that came a little late for me, uh, maybe come a little earlier for them. And uh, <laughs> I just hope to, to work with, I've always been interested in the obscure and the rare and those species that, that need to be worked with. And I just hope those opportunities continue to, uh, to present themselves. And, you know, I, I hope I can continue to collaborate with various herpetologists and uh, contribute to the science as well. <laughs> right on, Matt. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, we're, uh, we're running a little short on time. Uh, I want to tell you that I uh, really appreciate that you took your time for being with us here today, and I wish you luck in your travels. Good luck over in Southeast Asia. Good luck with your breeding projects and uh, any other endeavors that you may have going on in the future. Well, thanks so much, Louis. I've, you know, I've got to say one thing I didn't mention throughout the interview is that you two, of course, are, are such a, a mentor to me, and uh, uh, just your experiences. Um, I hope I can have, have, have half of them in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Matt. All right, well, for kingsnake.com, uh, this is Louis Forrest. And once again, the time has come for me to bid you a fond and cordial farewell.